This podcast was recorded at Grace Point Church of Orville. For more information, visit us online at orogracepoint.com. John chapter 20, beginning in verse number 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I want to preach to us for a little while on this subject, the breath of life. When Jesus rose from the dead, something new was born. It was the first day of a new creation. It was the beginning of a new reality. And in this passage here that John recounts, he is signaling that in Jesus, something profound takes place. Something wonderfully transformative takes place. And you get an interesting clue when he speaks here at the beginning of this passage about the first day of the week. And to fully understand and appreciate this story, first we need to refresh our memories Jesus brings about a new creation. But you have to keep in mind the first story or you miss pieces about this new creation. In Genesis chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 4, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no human to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the human of dust from the ground and breathed into its nostrils the breath of life, and the human became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, And there he put the human whom he had formed. I want you to notice, if you will, the sequence of this creation story. God is creating the heavens and the earth. And the earth is there, but it's missing something. God hasn't yet placed a human there to take care of things. So God refrains in this passage from putting a garden in place, because if you have a garden, you need a gardener. You need somebody to work on the garden. And here we get this hint about how God imagines his relationship to humanity, that it's a partnership, that there is this ongoing effort, joint effort between God and the humans that he creates in his own image and his own likeness to steward and to work in the creation that God has formed. It's a a story where you need both pieces. You need the human partners working with God. Otherwise, it's just 
the earth. It's just the planet. And so, as this story unfolds, God's making the heavens and the earth. There's no plants yet. So, God looks down and He forms from the dust the human. The human is part of creation. The human is part of the story. He's not coming from outside somewhere, but the human is part of God's creative work. And God forms this human and shapes this human out of dust. But that also is not the end of the story. Because in order for this human to really be a partner with God, that human must in some way participate in the life of God. So God looks at this dust creature, this mud pie, dirt ball, kind of an interesting picture, and God breathes into its nostrils the breath of life. Life flowing from God into the dust. And the scripture says that now the human becomes a living creature. And now that you have this combination of dust and spirit, what does God do? Now God plants a garden and puts the human in the garden to keep it, to till it, to work it. And so there's this theme that we get in Scripture from the very beginning about this partnership between dust and spirit. It's first introduced in Genesis. But folks who know their Bibles, John's first audience, they would have recognized these echoes that, that really what's happening in the story that John is telling can only be understood within this larger framing of creation. And it's not a one-off thing. It recurs again and again. And so let me just give you one more echo to help flesh this out. Ezekiel is living in a difficult time. A time of destruction and catastrophe and oppression. And he has this vision. You know the story, Ezekiel chapter 37. The Lord carries him along and puts him down in a valley of dry bones. Lifeless, bleached bones, testimony, witness to some defeat, some mass slaughter, right? This is a huge army that used to be alive and now they're dead. And the Lord speaks to the prophet and says, verse number three, it's this great line, son of man, can these bones live? This is a question I think that's familiar to all of us. I don't think there's any one of us here today that haven't found themselves in one of those places where you're standing there looking around and the question in your mind is, can these bones live? Is this done? Is this story finished? Is it over? Have we reached the conclusion and now it's all fallen apart and it's just a mess? And the prophet is smart. His response is, Oh, Lord God, you know, you understand what's happening here. You tell me. And what's beautiful about this story and the reason it's important to include this in our framing today is in Genesis, we see how things get started. And in Ezekiel, we are encouraged and reminded that the breath doesn't just come once. The breath of God and this work in creation is not something that just took place long, long ago in a distant galaxy far, far away, and then it was done. It's over. No, Ezekiel reminds us 
that in God's ongoing story of redemption, in God's big picture, His work in creation, He is continuing to breathe life into that creation. And so the uh, prophet is told by God, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. You see, in God's story, there is a future even for dry bones. There is a future even after catastrophe. The power of this breath of life that comes from God, it's what got things started. But it's that which continues to come again and again to renew to restore, to bring fresh life. And and you know the story. You can keep reading the Ezekiel passage on your own. He's told, prophesy to the wind, which in Hebrew, it's the same word as the breath. Prophesy to the breath. And so the breath, the wind begins to blow from God. And the same breath that blew into the first human The same breath that brought God's life into the dust so that the human could really be a partner with God, so that the human could carry out the task to which God had assigned it, that same breath blows again into this dry field, this valley of death and destruction, and the breath comes into them and forms them and re-empowers them to be an army. Now, the army imagery is important because he doesn't re-empower them to just stand there. You have an army for a task, for a mission, for a purpose. You see this, this theme that's happening in Scripture. God is at work, and God partners always in his work with people. But people in and of themselves, just dust isn't enough. Just bone isn't enough. You need something more if you're going to really get the job done. If you're really going to step into the place and the role and the position that God has for you, you need more than dust. You need more than bone. You need the breath of life. And what we see in the Gospels, what we see here in John, is that Jesus never intended for His physical life, to be the bookends for his work. His work is bigger. The story didn't end with the crucifixion. The story didn't end on the morning when Jesus rose from the grave. In fact, we might say the story really got started when he rose from the grave. This is why Jesus had disciples. Because It's not supposed to stop. It's supposed to keep going. It's supposed to continue on. But what Jesus tells his disciples, you see this in the Gospels again and again, is that if they really want to carry out his mission, it's going to require more than dust. It's going to require more than just skin. It's going to require more than just bones. It's going to require breath. God's story always requires God's life. If God's story is going to advance, if the next chapter is going to be written, it requires God's life being active in the process. And Jesus here, we read in this story, 
on the evening of that day, the first day of the week. It's the morning of new creation. It's the morning of a new story being written. Jesus is going to reenact, if you will, the first creation story. He's going to reenact the Ezekiel story. He is going to reenact and re-embody all of these instances where God breathed into creation new life and new hope and a future. The breath is coming. Jesus has a mission for his disciples. His disciples have work to do. They are supposed to take what he has given them and carry it to the ends of the earth, preaching and teaching and declaring the kingdom of God. And to do that, they're going to need help. And the help is on its way. Pentecost is coming. The breath is coming. And this passage in John reminds us that the wind that blew on Pentecost wasn't just an extra blessing. It's the promised and necessary empowerment of new creation in Christ. God did a great work in Genesis 2 when He formed this human. But I can promise you this. Adam and Eve didn't consider the breath that they were breathing to be an extra blessing. It was the very foundation of their existence. You can't take that breath away from them. You can't just be dirt. You can't just be bones. Bones alone cannot accomplish the will of God. Dirt alone can never rise to the level that's required for real and true service in the kingdom of God. If mere flesh and blood could get the job done, you wouldn't need Jesus. You wouldn't need God. If you want a testimony to the work of flesh and blood, look around us at all the chaos in our world. Look at all of the disaster, even in the lives of people who mean well. Jesus is signaling to them, just as in the first creation, you needed this fusion of dust and spirit. So if you're going to live out his purpose for your life, you also need this fusion of spirit and dust. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was nothing less than Jesus's breath bringing life into the new humanity that's called to live in the new creation, brought into existence through his life. It's a mirror story of Genesis chapter 2. Jesus recreating. Jesus bringing new life. Creating a new existence. How? Through the breath of Jesus. Through his breathing upon you and upon me. I want to linger for a moment over a couple phrases in John's account that really strengthen this connection to the creation story. What you're getting in John chapter 20 is a creation story. Jesus, not once, but twice, says to his disciples when he appears to them on the first day of the week, which is new creation, peace be with you. Peace in Scripture is not simply the absence of conflict. That's our modern definition. Here, Jesus would have in mind this concept of shalom. Shalom is wholeness. It's completion. It's fullness. 
And when you look at the creation story, what did God do? God created things in wholeness, in fullness. And so Jesus here in this declaration, peace be with you, shalom with you in this new creation. He's talking about giving wholeness. He's not simply saying to his disciples when he's getting ready to empower them, let's erase conflict. Now, that's part of it. But when he says, peace be with you, he's saying it's time for you to be whole. It's time for you to reach your fullness. Just dust is not shalom because it's incomplete. Just bones in a valley or even bones with sinew and flesh is not shalom because it's incomplete. You need wholeness. This is an echo here, of course, of God's completeness in creation. And then Jesus says, he pairs this peace be with you, which he says twice. You need to be whole. You need to be complete. You need to be full. He pairs that by saying, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. It's commissioned. It's work. It's a call to participate in Jesus' mission. As I've done, now you're going to do. And again, it's an echo. What did God do for the first human that he created? Put him in the garden to take care of it, to shepherd it, to till it, to tend to it. So you get both of these echoes. Jesus is saying, I'm intending for you to experience what God intended in creation. One, wholeness, completion, fulfillment. And two, partnership, fellowship with me in my mission in this story. And then what does he do to make this a reality? He breathes on them. It's not enough to just wish shalom. It's not enough to just wish wholeness. It's not enough to just say you've got a job. In order for you to be really complete, in order for you to make that step beyond dust into partner, to make that step from incompleteness into real shalom, you need my breath. You need my breath. Why Jesus' breath? Because Jesus is the new creation. When the one who conquers death breathes into you, there is power there. There is something significant there that you don't get from just regular oxygen. Jesus breathes on his disciples to make them whole and to make them partners. And it's through the impartation of Jesus' breath which is the true breath of life that wholeness and partnership are brought into reality. When you look in the New Testament, this theme appears all over the place. And today we don't have time to look at these things. But if you look, the disciples and the earlier, earliest followers of Jesus are very concerned about the spirit of Jesus. Why? Is it just to make us feel good? It's the spirit of Jesus, his spirit. And Jesus tells you what his spirit is because he breathes on him and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus himself makes explicit. What is the breath of life? It's the Holy Spirit. Where does it come from? From Jesus. 
in contemporary Christian culture, people have all kinds of crazy ideas about the Spirit of God and who needs it and why you need it and what it's supposed to do. Some people act like the only role of the Holy Spirit is to make them happy. Other people, they act like, well, this is their boarding pass. Once they get this, it means they get to go to heaven now. Those are divorced from the story of the Bible. If you want to understand, you just need to think about the story of creation. It's not weird. It's not strange. The Spirit, the breath of God comes for two reasons. To complete the story and to empower you to partner with God. That's the bottom line. On our own, we're not up to the task. I don't know if you've noticed this. Life is bigger than you. Life is bigger than me. We are all confronted with challenges that dust just can't handle. But we are not without hope today. We have a great confidence that if the breath of Jesus is inside of us, if he has breathed on us, then we can receive the power necessary to really be a partner with God, to work in the garden like God intended for us. And when we mess it up, we're not without hope. Because he didn't just breathe once way back in the beginning of creation. When we're standing in the midst of dry bones, and chaos, and life is falling apart around us. You know what we need? We just need Jesus to breathe fresh on us again. We need to hear the word of the Lord and to say, Lord, breathe into me. I need your spirit. I'm here. I'm the dust. I brought that part to the party. I need you to bring the other piece. I'm here presenting myself. It's a partnership, friend. And the Lord needs the dust. The Lord's not content to just have the breath blowing around everywhere. He intends for the breath to go somewhere. For it to go into human vessels. So that people can partner with God. The breath of life. The infilling of God's spirit. Is the empowerment to fully participate in the story that God is telling. And without his breath. I'm always stuck on the outside. Jesus signals to his disciples, I'm alive and there's a big task and I want you to be whole and I want you to be empowered for the task. So I'm going to breathe on you. And once he leaves, they gather in an upper room and they hear a sound. And I don't think the disciples were surprised to hear the sound because they knew their scriptures. They knew this is what God always does when it comes time to bring God's power and God's agency into partnership with ours. Breathes upon them. He breathed upon the dust in creation. He breathes upon the dry bones to bring renewal and strength. And yes, Jesus breathed upon his disciples so that they can be whole and complete in this new creation that he is bringing into existence. Today, you and I have this glorious hope. We have this promise. God is not leaving us to our own abilities. All of this preaching and teaching we hear about the kingdom of God 
and what Jesus is doing in the world, I have good news for you today. God doesn't expect you to participate on the merits of your own strength alone. Because if you're anything like me, you look at what God's doing, you're thinking, how on earth could I ever participate in that? I'm not smart enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not strong enough. Have you seen my life? I've got problems. I've got, how am I ever going to really partner with God? This sounds great. He must be talking about somebody else. No, friend, he's talking about your dust, about your dry bones. He wants to breathe on them so that you can be empowered to not only be whole, not only be complete in reflecting the image and the likeness of God, but so that you can go to work in his garden. You can go to work in his kingdom. Our great need is not to pretend like we're not dust. Sometimes that's the temptation, to pretend like we're not dry bones, that we're not just dirt balls. No, we don't need to pretend today. We can acknowledge that. We can stand and say, can these bones live? What happened? What took place? We can stand in full awareness of our own humanity, of our own limitations. You don't have to pretend to be all-powerful today. You don't have to pretend to be all-knowing. You don't have to pretend to be perfect. You just need to say, Lord, breathe on this dust. Breathe on the dry bones of my life. Bring wholeness, Lord. I need your shalom. I hope today that we can hear what Jesus has spoke to his disciples. I hope we can hear that afresh today because he's still speaking it to us. Peace be with you. Wholeness, my plan for you, my intention for your life is wholeness of mind, wholeness of emotions, wholeness of life. And I have work for you to do. And I'm going to help you get there. The Holy Spirit. The breath of life. This is God's life. Breathe fresh into our hearts. It's an invitation today to participate in God's very life. That's why it's so powerful. That's what people often lose sight of. The breath of life. The filling of God's Spirit. It's the empowerment to fully participate in God's story. And today, we need the Lord to breathe fresh on us. We're going to worship. We're going to sing. But I would invite you. Ask the Lord. Lord. Breathe on me today, just like you did in the first creation. Just like you did with the first humans. I need you to breathe on me. Lord, just like you did in the valley of dry bones. I need you to do that for me. And Lord, I want to participate in the new creation. 
that comes through your death and your resurrection. So breathe fresh on me today. Will you do that with me? Oh, I promise you today, the Lord will give you strength. The Lord will help you. The Lord will empower you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, come on, friend, it's real simple. Lord Jesus, breathe on us. Lord, we need your, your spirit. We need you to fill us fresh. Today, Lord, we accept, Lord, that you desire peace for us. You desire wholeness for us. You desire us to walk in partnership with you. And Lord, we've got the dust. We've got the dry bones today. Breathe on us. Fill us fresh with your spirit. Thank you for listening. Our podcasts are made possible by generous donations from listeners like you. To hear more, visit us online at orogracepoint.com.